Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches the disciples how to pray. You guys know the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Help us to forgive those who have trespassed against us. And, yeah, and forgive. I always get tripped up on that. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. There's a portion of that. Now, it's, a, it's a powerful prayer. And as you pray through it, obviously it talks through different portions, different areas in our life, different areas in relationship that we're a part of. Praising God, first and foremost. But there's a portion in that where he says, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. On earth as it is in heaven. He wants to bring his will. It's, it's his will, not yours. You know that. When we pray things, we should be praying according to God's word. We should be praying according to his will, not just what we want, not just our Christmas wish list, you know, our, our list of demands that we would bring to God, but that we pray according to his will, that we would pray that your will be done above my own. There's something significant in understanding what that looks like on earth as it is in heaven. God's desire is that he would bring what takes place in heaven, he would bring that to earth. His, his will and his ways would be done here among those who really need to see his will and his ways. Even for us, desiring to see more and more of God, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Have you thought of that before? That God is wanting to bring his kingdom to earth. Have you thought about that? Bueller? God's wanting to bring his kingdom to earth. And if, if that's so, it means that God is going to be opening doors of opportunity for us to walk through. Different things, different situations, different opportunities. He will open those doors so that we can walk through them. So that his will can be done. His will will be done as he uses us, his hands and feet here on the earth, to accomplish his will and his ways. If God is opening doors for us, these opportunities for us, the the question is, are we seeing them? Do we recognize them? And are we walking through them? It's interesting when you think about an open door. An open door exists for what? To walk through. Guys, if you hold a door open for your wife, for your girlfriend, for a woman, what's the expectation? 
They go through it. Yeah. It's not because you just want the black flies to come into the house. You're opening a door so that, with the expectation that they're going to walk through it. Young men, and actually old guys too, something to learn there. Respect your wives. Respect women. Open the door. Hold the door open for them. Chivalry doesn't need to be dead. But I think in the same way God opens many doors for us and we're just ignorant of the fact that they're open. He opens them with the expectation that we will walk through them and we miss it. Our eyes are clouded. We don't see. We're in this series called The Bride and we're now on week six. Week six of the churches that John wrote to through the revelation of Jesus, letters that were written directly to these churches. This week we're talking about the church or we're reading the letter written to the church in Philadelphia. Just a heads up, it's not Philly, it's not Pennsylvania, this isn't written to the church of the Philly cheese steak, this is written to the church of Philadelphia. Revelation chapter 3 if you have your Bibles. And as you're getting there, I'll give you a little backstory on Philadelphia. First off, Philadelphia, this church in Philadelphia was a faithful church. They were promised God's protection, but they were a faithful church. They, they did what was necessary to do. They were seen as faithful to responding to the Lord's leading, to his guiding. Philadelphia became a city in, the church of, or, uh, became a, a city in, in 140 B.C., it was about 28 miles southeast of Sardis, which was the church that was addressed last week. So it's located just a little south. It was a, um, a vineyard country. Think like wine country. Think Napa Valley, California. Because it was lush and grew grapes and they had wine and it was, it was, um, it was an area that was also very affluent. It was a rich city. The people in that city had money. It's interesting when you kind of draw the comparison where we are here in New Hampshire. And this is kind of, this is an eye-opener. This is something to just understand. The, the, the state of New Hampshire as a whole, and maybe you don't find yourself, you're like, when I say these things, you're going to say, well, I don't know, I don't find myself in that place. I, I don't, I don't. The state of New Hampshire is ranked sixth in income for the United States. Out of 50 states in the United States, the state of New Hampshire is ranked number six for highest in income. Pretty cool. Sixth in income, high in income across the nation for averages. However, that same state, the state we live in, that ranks so high in income, 49th in generosity, 49th in giving, 49th in donations. We make lots of money. We just spend a lot of it on ourselves rather than looking for opportunities where we can pour into, seed into, give, and be generous. Sixth in income, 49th in generosity. That's a shame. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Revelation chapter 3. In Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, we read this. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia, write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, 
who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. It's interesting when you read that, and you don't have to turn there, but I'm going to, in Isaiah chapter 22. If you have a notebook, you can write this down. Isaiah 22, verse 22. Chapter 22, verse 22. Isaiah 22, 22 talks about this key of David. It says, And I will place on his shoulder the key of the house of David. He shall open, and no one shall shut. And he shall shut, and no one shall open. There's a reference there to this key of David, this, this, this blessing, the, the power, the strength, the authority that God has. That what I open, no one can close. And what I shut, don't waste your time trying to open. It's fruitless trying to go against what I have closed. Back in Revelation, I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. It's interesting that he acknowledges that they have but little power. And yet, we can also read that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. And Kaylin referenced it this morning a little earlier about a covenant relationship. We need to understand what a covenant means and what, what that means to be in covenant with God. Because we look at, there's a difference between covenant and contract. Contracts are written things where, you, you know, written agreements that you sign and someone else signs. And there's, I think, in every contract, there's also the understanding that someone's going to welch out on this deal. So someone's going to break this contract. How do I know that to be true? Well, because there are attorneys in this world. Because we know that, and that's not just a, that's not a statement, like if you're a lawyer, it's not a lawyer joke. It's just a, really, it's a joke on our society. The fact that there have to be people who then litigate because we break contracts so often, because it's become the norm. But the idea of covenant, covenant is like, I'm signing on to this, I'm agreeing to this, and if I break it, death to me. Covenants are generational. Covenants go on beyond just the person who made the covenant. It carries on from family to family to family. The agreement that was made. The statement or the understanding within covenant. If I'm in relationship and covenant with someone, it means that all that, and Kaylin said this, all that I have is theirs and all that they have is mine. Now, when we understand, and that's important to understand, we're in covenant with God, which means all that God has is available to us. We give him all of us, and he gives us all of him. If all authority and power has been given to Jesus, and we're in covenant, then all authority and power is also within us and available to us. That, that's important for you to understand as we go through this even more. But all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. We're in covenant relationship. There's that same available to us. And we're his sent people. We're his sent people. 
We're not just called to gather together on Sunday morning and just, you know, let's gather together, let's feel good about ourselves, let's sing some songs and feel happy, hear a message, and then go. And just, you know, we'll see you next Sunday. We should do all that, but we should then go with the understanding that we're sent. We're sent into the world to proclaim freedom and hope and peace and joy, forgiveness, repentance. We're, we're sent into the world to make a difference. We're sent into the world to be a light that restoration would take place in lives everywhere. Back in Revelation. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and down, bow down before you, before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. I have loved you. Jesus loves you. You are loved immeasurably. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance. I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never he shall go out of it and I will write on him the name of my God. The new Jerusalem the name of my city, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. It's a few things to understand, a few things to know, a few things to really get in this. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. You understand that We've been given that power. We've been given that authority. We're in covenant relationship with God. Do you know that we have an enemy? Not the sound. Okay, yeah, cool. A few people understand that. There is an enemy that seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He, he roams around. He prowls around like a lion, seeking whom he may devour. Do you realize he has no power over you? Do you realize that he would desire to kill you, to take you out, to ruin your life. But he has no power, no authority into your life other than what you give him. Other than what you give him. He's the enemy and he desires to ruin your life. But he's powerless to do that unless you give him the power and the authority to do that. Too many people, like, you know, they, you, you fail at something. You mess up. You fall into sin. And it's this instant like, well, the, you know, the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You chose to do it. You gave the enemy the authority into that. You gave ground. Kind of talking battle lines. The whole idea of a, a battle is to take ground, to, to, to move forward. And all that's behind you is yours. When you fail, when you fall, you're stepping back, you're retreating, and you're giving ground back to the enemy. That's not who we are. I read the end of the book. We are a victorious people. And our God, the one true God, at the end of it all, he's exalted by all. Every knee will bow, 
and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. But any failure, it's because we give it over to the enemy. It's not because he made us do it. That's something to to hold on to. That's something to understand. Hold fast to what you have, your power and your authority. Don't give it over to anyone else so that you remain, so that no one may seize your crown. No one may take from you the promise that God has given you. No one will ruin the life and the calling that he has given you. I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. It's interesting. Where is the temple? If you've read towards the end, where is the temple in the new heaven? Okay. Revelation 22. I'm sorry, 21 verse 22 says this. There is no temple in the new Jerusalem. God and the Lamb are the temple. The Jews know the temple is the permanent home of God. It's where his presence dwells. It's the place where his presence is. If we're promised by God to the one who conquers, I will make you a pillar in my temple. Well, if the, if the temple is where the presence of God dwells and you're a pillar within it, he's talking about you. He's talking about you. You will be with me. You will be in my presence forever. To the one who conquers, I will not leave you. You will always be in my presence. And I think it's interesting when he says, I will write on him. I will write on him my name. You guys watch Toy Story? Woody, what's written on his boot? Andy, kind of speaks of ownership. Woody is Andy's toy. Now, I won't go so far as to say you're God's toy, but he does delight in you, takes pleasure in you, and he will write his name upon you. We belong to God. And because we belong to God, He has sealed us. He's written His name upon us. Because we have His authority, because He lives in us, we have the ability, we have the ability to allow the kingdom of God to come to earth through us. We have the ability to see doors opened and we can walk through them. He uses these doors for us to walk through to bring his kingdom work on earth. God's open door is our door of opportunity. He promises them, I open a door that no man can shut. What's God wanting to bring to earth that can only come from us walking through the door? It's the door that brings the kingdom to earth. It's the door that allows God's will to be done. It's the door that families are restored and and the door that communities are healed. It's It's the door that nations are saved. God's open door is our door of opportunity. But I think for many of us, there are questions 
that roll around in our head. If I need to have wisdom and discernment, if I need to have my eyes open to see these doors that are opened, Ephesians 1 chapter, or Ephesians chapter 1 verse 18 talks about having our eyes enlightened to see the calling that he has placed upon our lives. If, if, if our eyes need to be opened to something, then yeah, that's, that's the question that probably all of us are asking is, how do I know what an open door looks like? How do I know what to do or where to go? How do I respond? First, we need to understand that the door is not a natural door. It's a supernatural door. It's, it's, it's a spiritual opening. Now, there may be spiritual doors. There may be supernatural doors that open physical doors. There may be new relationships, new people that you connect with. God brings you into a place of influence. He opens doors, physical doors that you can walk through to talk with people that get things done. But we need to understand first and foremost that these, these are spiritual doors that are being opened. And if they're spiritual, if they're supernatural doors, not natural doors, then we need to understand that we can't use our natural eyes to see the open doors. This is why we're told to have our eyes opened, eyes enlightened, our heart opened, so that we can see what God wants to do in the supernatural and respond to it. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about how um, we allow the culture to numb us. We, we talked about how the, the world will tell us, culture will tell us how or what to believe if we don't know what we believe. And the importance of understanding God's word, the importance of knowing his word and his will so that we can know what we believe. Well, in the same way, we need to stop spending so much time filling our heart and our mind with distractions, disruptions. I don't care if you know what happened on Grey's Anatomy. You don't have to post it on Facebook and let me know that you got to see it. I don't care. I do care that you know the Word of God. I do know and do care greatly my prayer for you is, is, and my hope for you is that even the, the statement, may the word of God dwell richly within you. I care that that would be your identity. We spend so much time watching TV and movies. I don't care if you saw the Avengers. I do care that your life is lived with purpose according to his will and his ways. But we fill ourselves with so many different distractions. It's interesting, we talk about OSL. Some of you have taken OSL. Some of you have heard about OSL. Operation Solid Lives, for those of you that... OSL, Operation Solid Lives. And it's a great tool that we have as a church for discipleship, for, for growing in our relationship with God, growing in our understanding and knowledge of the Word of God, but also in our relationship with God. Because it's not just about head knowledge, it's about heart transformation, growing in relationship with God, having a better understanding of, you know, talking about covenant, having a better understanding of what covenant really means, having an understanding of a, a better, um, a better ability to be able to live spirit-filled lives because we have more understanding and more, more um, desire, more, more zeal for the Lord. 
OSL is a great tool that we have available. One of the disciplines within OSL that we talk about and, you know, we, that a cry goes throughout the city every time we talk about the disciplines. One of them is that you would limit your, your secular media. That means, you know, watching TV, listening to the radio, unless it's Christian radio, um, which, like, there's one fuzzy station in town. So, um, no, no TV, no movies, no radio, um, no Facebook. Other than you limit that to two hours per week. Two hours per week. And what we hear over, two hours? Like, I spend two hours and five minutes. Like, I, 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 two hours, I need 17 hours to, you know, upload stuff to Facebook and let people know what's going on and read their news feed and play Candy Crush and invite other people to play Candy Crush. Stop it. I don't want your Candy Crush invites. But OSL, I mean, it's, it's, it's an opportunity to, it, and the, the bottom line is, if you fill your mind so much, if you take so much time filling your mind with all these peripheral things, all these distractions, you don't have the time or the energy to spend getting into God's word and putting that in you. What goes in you will come out of you. So quit filling yourself with garbage. Fill yourself with the Word of God and allow the Word of God as it dwells richly within you. Allow the Word of God to help you in your responses towards people. That'll create the opportunity for you to know what an open door looks like because you'll have discernment, wisdom and discernment. We can also know through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. That's why we desire that everyone receive the fullness of God's Spirit in their lives that you would receive the fullness, that you would be baptized with the Holy Spirit, that you would have discernment and wisdom and all the other gifts that he gives to you, and you would use them. They would be on display, not for your glory, but for his. The Holy Spirit and our spiritual sensitivity to, to, that just allows us to begin to see and, and highlight these open doors that are available for us to walk through. Godly counsel of others. Is, is a very important deal. You know, you, you may feel, you know, I feel like I'm supposed to go in this direction. I feel like I'm supposed to do this. You know, I was reading my Bible and there's nothing that says I shouldn't. I feel like the confirmation of the Holy Spirit has been given to me. What do you think? Asking the godly counsel of others is such an important thing because there could be times where, and I, I stress this, godly counsel, not just you know, the, the guy at the water cooler at work, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? Because it could just be the greasy pizza you ate the night before that gave you this dream of what you're supposed to do. Godly counsel, where people who love you and love God would speak into that situation and say, you know, I, that feels right. I just, I sense that, that God wants you to go that direction. But they may also say, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I, I don't think so. Knowing you, knowing where you've been, knowing, you know, kind of the, 
I'm not sure that that's, and being open to that. Being open to the godly counsel of others, not just in the yes, but also in the no. There's an importance for that. Something else that we can look at in knowing, is this an open door that I'm supposed to walk through? Is there peace involved in it? Are you at peace? I'm not saying that everything is perfect and there's no struggle and there's no trial and there's no rough patch that you have to walk through. Because the things that God calls you to, there will be times of hard work where you sweat through it. There will be times of struggle walking in God's will, walking through that open door. But are you at peace even in the midst of the hard time? Is there a peace of God that passes all understanding in your life walking through that situation? That's the kind of peace I'm talking about. Not just peace like, yeah, everything's groovy, man. But peace that passes all understanding. God's peace that dwells in you even in the midst of hard times that you're walking through because you're acting obediently to his leading and guiding. And that refers back to that patient endurance that we read in verse 10 of chapter 3 in Revelation. A patient endurance. Not quitting when things get hard. Not giving up. The difficulties that come and understanding that, you know what, regardless of how difficult this is, I know that God's called me to it and I'm going to continue. It's the pressing on that Paul spoke about. Pressing on. Receiving the prize. Receiving Christ. There are doors that Jesus is holding open for us that will bring eternal change, but we need to have faith to walk through them. We might not be able to see what's on the other side. We may not have it all figured out, but are you willing to cross the threshold of that open door? It's interesting, kind of the the picture that we see, even as we're looking at the series, The Bride, and understanding that Jesus is our bridegroom and we are the bride And I know this may not happen as often anymore, but I've seen a movie or two where it takes place. The groom picking up the bride and carrying her through the threshold of the house. This is is our place together. This This is our perfect will. And seeing Jesus as the bridegroom carrying his bride. I, I, I just, there's, there's, there's something significant about just that picture. The picture for us today, that Jesus is wanting us as his bride to allow him to pick us up and as we're willing to see the open door and walk through it, that he'll carry us, he'll, he'll bring us to the other side. The scripture in Joshua, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. Where you go, I will always go with you. The understanding that there are times where there will be doors that you walk through that will be difficult to walk through, but you need to walk through them. What would our communities look like if we all walked through the open doors? The open doors that allow the natural to become supernatural the open doors that God has opened for us? What would our cities look like to have his supernatural kingdom come to earth like it is in heaven? 
Would we see brokenness restored? Would we see cities restored, communities restored, lives restored? The, the doors of restoration for a, for a drug culture where addiction is no longer the norm. The doors of hope for the homeless and those in prison that they would find freedom, that they would find life, that they would find abundant life through Jesus. The door of peace where there's violence. Maybe it's not just in our own communities. Maybe, maybe it's in our homes. Maybe it's in our life, our own personal lives. Jesus says that he's the door, the door of salvation. Anyone who knocks, the door will be open. Maybe it's a door of reconciliation for marriage, restoration for a relationship with a child. What are the doors that God is calling you to walk through? We need to have our eyes opened. We need to discern and we need to obediently walk out where he's calling us to. Because that's what his desire is for this world. That we would see his will be done on earth as it, in, as it is in heaven. What's your door? Father, I pray for each person here. Lord, I pray that you would give them great understanding. I pray that eyes and hearts would be open. They'd be open by you, Lord, to see where you're leading them, where you're guiding them, the places that you're calling them to. God, I pray for laser-focused attention, that we don't turn to the right or the left. We don't allow other things to come around and distract us, to deceive us, to pull us away from where you've called us, Lord. But that as we step into the places that you've called us to, as we walk through the doors that you open that no one can shut, God, we pray for great, incredible fruitfulness. We pray for effectiveness, God. We pray for lives to be transformed, restored, renewed, God, for communities, for relationships. We pray for brokenness to end, for hope to be found, for life to be lived to the full, not just for us, not just for a secret community, but God, that you would send us out, that we would acknowledge and understand that we are a sent people who have been called to go and proclaim your kingdom. Share your words with everyone that we encounter, Lord, that hope truly would be found. I pray that you would, God, you, you would lead us and guide us and that each and every one of us would be responsive to your call. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com.